Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished Gundam Build Fighters and decided to reconquer the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. Grr, go get them, cat siths. I'm Tyler. I've been randomly called away to a new fire. My name is Zach. Was that pirate cheerleaders, Tyler? Is that what you were going for? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I was going for a generic Saturday morning cartoon villain. Pirate cheerleaders? Is that where they get the raw raw? But uh, instead of it's it's, raw, it's, yeah, it's uh, no. R-R? Pirate cheerleaders are R R. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's why pirates are reversed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, famously, all pirates speak backwards. Uh, that's how you can tell them apart. Today we are watching episode ten of Reconquista in G: Escape the Territory. <laughs> No, I was going to say, it sounds like a uh, video game objective. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, but I realized my joke didn't work because it was referencing something we said off the mics. But I was, it, it does seem like something that would press F to pay respects, escape the territory, which be your mission list. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rico and Gisa and G is the story of Belry Zenim. He's a good capital guard boy who got kidnapped by a hot pirate lady who he kind of let kidnap him because he was into it, along with his best friend, Naredo Nug, and Raraya, a girl who fell to Earth mysteriously with a Gundam. <laughs> on a Monday. <laughs> on a Monday. And can't talk because she got the oxygen deprivation. Bellary is the only one who can pilot it now that the pirate lady, Ida, has lost all of her competence. It Well, it left on the armor's egg with Mick, Jack, and Klimnik. Who are no longer in this series. We salute them. <laughs> Anyway, with the help of Bellary's mom, they came back to the Capital Territory on their pirate ship to ask the Pope what was going on with the weird space battleships that may or may not be around the moon. But instead of answering him, he told them to roll for initiative. And Bellary's teacher was like, hey, you have to come fight, guys. Did I miss anything? Oh, there's, also, there's a masked man. No idea who he is. And his new subordinate. Barara. Barara. Oh, no. She Okay, no. She, so she got into the army because she won the National Idol Contest. She's a descendant of Kirara. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're proposing this does not take place at the end of the Universal Century, but at the end of Build Fighters? <laughs> uh, which does come after Build Divers. Uh, so somewhere there. Whatever happened to Kirara? Did she just retire at the age of like 22 or something? Where does the live action Build Fighters series fit in? <laughs> I didn't know that happened. Um, is that different than regular build fighters? Uh, yeah, it's a different story with different characters. Unfortunately, it's not anime, so it never got officially released with subtitles. A travesty. Do they well, use I mean, like to be real? Fair, neither did Go- or yeah. Ghost Puncher wasn't an actual anime, and it got translated with subtitles. Yeah, but it was Korean. Okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I know there's a girl gang of Gunpla fighters at one point, and that's about all I know about that series. <laughs> Oh, also, there's the Capital Guard and the Capital Army. They are, what's the opposite of cahoots? They're in that together. <laughs> At odds? Well, certainly not cojones. They're in cojones together. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're in airballs, specifically. Uh, the airball known as Earth. Oh, also, Colonel Camparacita, he'll be around. He may be from space. He's in charge of the Capital Army. He thinks Earthnoid should be eradicated like a disease. He's also in charge of the Technical Research Division. Uh, also, it's the weekend. <laughs> and it's the weekend. <laughs> Therefore, Mardi Gras. That's everything. So we are going to go watch episode 10, Escape the Territory. You can watch too if you somehow are following along with this. Uh, we start with a good old last time on. Thanks to Bellary's suggestion and only his suggestion, they fly to the Capital Territory. To be fair, it was his suggestion. 
when they were talking about it, it made it sound like his mom also helped come up with the idea. But he brought it up. He did she bring did, it up. She did not seem interested in expressing it. That's fair. And then anyway, Curbs grabbed me and we had to run away. Cut to them running away and Curbs being like, yeah, so anyway, the Capital Army wants you guys. It's bad. I mean, they already knew that. So why is it a problem now? Uh, now Colonel Camparacita is there and has told them where they are. I don't know. The Pope's having a heart attack, which he talks or shrugs off by saying he's just thinking really hard about something. Meanwhile, Ida's dad is like pleasantrying at Colonel Camparacita. <laughs> they're, they're doing a diplomacy. And also some exposition. Man, would you look at all those diplomacy checks he's failing. About how to- how Toasanga is a space colony on the other side of the moon. And Colonel Rosita's like, that becoming public knowledge is why people started ignoring the taboo. And why you were going to take the Pope hostage and take him to space, specifically to go see the space colony. And uh, Ida's dad is like, that's oddly specific. Although, we <laughs> kind of does- know that was their plan, right? Because Ida's mad that Bellry killed Cahill and ruined his plan to take over Capitol Tower. Maybe. I'm not sure if they were going to actually kidnap the Pope, though. Hope nap. And Colonel Rosita is like, the way I see it, excuse me, I need to take this call. <laughs> I'm supposed to be on vacation right now or off for the weekend, but Jugen is calling me in. So the uh, Capital Army is just like retail. <laughs> now, this threw me off for a little bit because everything other, all the other times we've seen them wandering around on these, they haven't been nearly this bouncy when people are trying to talk to each other. But here they are. Well, they're, they're running. They're going at uh, maximum drama. Uriah is distressed because she wanted to go to Naredo's house. And Naredo's like, I don't think we'll have the time. Like, what is this? What is up with this? Maybe everyone who's piloting one is just a bad pilot. Because normally Bell's driving. That's, yeah, that's true. So Curbs is like, yeah, they want you guys and the megafauna and Raraya. And Ida's like, why do they want Raraya? And Curbs is like, I don't know. She must know something about space since she came <laughs> from there. I do love that they just load the shanks up on the side of the Evrog and just have them like hold on with their awkward shanks arms. And fly as low as possible through these trees like Clem Nick did earlier. It's okay. They don't have any water bottles to spill. Meanwhile, cut to turtle, turtle. <laughs> you say cut to the new mobile suit just dropped at this iPhone presentation. The Wuxia that has cat ears. Yeah, the prime minister who is wearing a, I swear to you, a corsage for some reason, is giving a speech about how awesome they are, but Becker gets frustrated with how long this is taking and cuts him off and gives a way better speech. Anyway, this is what they called in Rosita for. And uh, this is such a high-profile thing that also the, uh, the... It turns out that the cheerleaders are here, but we also know that is like, I have procured a, pr- a spaceship. Do we think he's talking about the Grandin or whatever I that's called? I think he is. So the cheerleaders start talking about how the wuxia makes them horny. It's very weird. And, and no one is- else reference or nobody else seems to even be able to hear them except for Commander Jugan. Who gets so, increasingly annoyed by them. <laughs> this this makes me think that uh, perhaps that the cheerleaders aren't actually real. They're just a collective hallucination by all people within the Capitol Guard slash Capitol Army. <laughs> You know, I've been thinking on this episode on why the cheerleaders are in this series, and I came to a conclusion, but it mostly ties in with stuff that happens in the final movie, so we aren't going to get to it for a while. (laughs) Okay. But I think they're thematically relevant, is what I guess I would say. So Bellry is like, wow, they really packed things in here. As Ida actually says thank you to uh, to, uh, Instructor Curbs. With a full curtsy. And this causes Bellry to fall in love for real. Um, and it causes Curbs to miss the straw in his water cup. 
I do like how like how it seems to be very clear that Curbs isn't actually like interested and he's kind of a dope. So Bellary's like, hey, it looks like there is a threat in space. And the captain's like, did the SU Cordis Pope say that? And there and Bellary's like, he didn't say anything useful, but I guess he kind of implied it. He didn't deny <laughs> it. I mean Raya's like, Naredo's house is that way, as Naredo drags her further into the ship. And she she is very upset at this. And Danielle's like, hey Ida, I notice you're incompetent lately, so I'd like to escort <laughs> you to the bridge. And Ida's oomphs off into the GRK. And Danielle's like, but your father. And she's like, I left him with the director. She's Bellary's mom. And so, for somehow, Daniel asks, like, this is new information, and he hasn't been hanging out with the two of them for the past week. Uh, he just drinks an awful lot. And Bellary's like, man, that Tom girl always wanted to be incompetent in combat. And then he goes on the fire pole. And is trying to find the G-Self, which is apparently currently buried in one of the worst backpacks we've seen. Yeah, it's a backpack. So, backpack yeah. in very heavy quotation marks. Yeah, you know, it's a backpack. So, you know, full armor in military camo. If that's, that's what you imagine when you think backpack, right? Like the big leg units and the shoulder units and the bits over <laughs> the arm and chest, like I, a backpack. You know what the only part of this unit that isn't covered up in this is? The small of its back. <laughs> it and is its head, its head. It is essentially the Hulk Buster, but for the G self. <laughs> and Curbs comes up and is like, "Hey, Bellary, we stole this from the Capital Army. It's a it's- high torque pack for land combat. They built it for the Wuxia, but it wouldn't work. So I was like, why not the G self? And uh, Hoppa is like, now that I see all this working, I understand what the Rosa Hermes blueprints are about. It's a good thing we have this G self here. It's really unfortunate that it uh, currently isn't working. Zikurb's like, you use a lot of backpacks, right? And Bellary is like, man, this is not a video game where I can just equip whatever pack I want. And Curb's like, hey, I'm not your instructor anymore. We're comrades in arms. I'm now your cool Uncle Moo. <laughs> and Bellary's like, oh no, I'm just trying to hit on the hot girl. Cut, Cut to the to Inspector General at, talking with the Pope and the Director, Bellary's, who's Bellary's mom, as uh, Ida told us, having a tea party. <laughs> Where he's like, yeah, I'll try to delay the president from launching our space fleet. Takes a little over an hour to get to uh, the undernut, and then you can take one of our atmospheric gliders like the one I stole. It borders on violating the taboo, though, so we'll charge you a lot of money for it. Anyway, here, Pope, here's some herbal tea. It's apparently very good herbal tea because everyone comments on it. It's good for those old bones. So the Pope's like, on the last trip of the day, I will go to St. Porto. And Bellary's mom is like, are you sure? It takes a week. But he's like, I do it every year. Which you would think she'd know. They're like, hey, uh, we need to tell the megafauna. That I'm leaving via space glider. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. We have a landline here. It's an old Pope Tower. (laughs) Cut to the last remaining Grimoire pilots. Struggling to zip up their flight suits. Everyone struggles to zip up their flight suit in this episode. Except for Ida. I do like that a lot more of this episode is just from Ida's perspective. As she's just watching everyone run around the hangar, get ready. Well, I love Raya is just running around the hangar with Naredo chasing her. And she like leapfrogs over Adam Smith. I love the pajamas that Naredo has put Raya in. (laughs) This big poofy pinkness she's got on. It reminds me of a koala for some reason. There's no good reason for it. It's definitely something like this. 
she starts zooming around the oh, place. I, I just realized that Naredo is chasing her around with a uh, toothbrush. She yells, launch G-Self, launch, with a very serious expe- expression on her face before Curbs just goes yoink and scoops her into the elevator. Well, he, this is she the runs by him, this... uh, provoking the attack of opportunity, which uses to grapple <laughs> her and hoist her over his head. It's great. I love the like the smoothness of the animation and just like how nonchalant he is about just nabbing this runaway is fantastic. We were talking last episode about Ghibli nonsense, and this this Hainer scene has been the most Ghibli nonsense I think we've had so far. Great Bellary angrily <laughs> slapping on his helmet and failing to zip up his suit. I like how everyone keeps being surprised that Raya is interested in the G self considering she spent an entire two episodes just yelling G. <laughs> and she came here in it? Bellary apparently like jumped down a whole bunch of crates to meet them at the base of the elevator, and then hits Naredo in the head with his helmet. By it- leaning too close, it's very good, and he apologizes, but she's still upset, until she sees the G-self, and is like, what the fuck is going on with that? <laughs> and Bellary's like, it's a backpack, I guess. And Ida notes that Raya is changing into some pajamas. Well, she's being more act. she's being a little bit more active. She did run here. And she wasn't, when she was doing that, she wasn't carrying the fish around. And uh, so they get a notification that the Rex Snows that are on their side are wearing blue bandanas. Because some of the Capitol Guards, including Lieutenant Curbs, have shown up to help escort them out. And Curbs is like, yeah, I'm also interested in the megafauna myself. And I was like, oh, you are like one of those kids who builds model warships? Curbs like, don't mock me. <laughs> I like how the captain ends his phone call with the, with the director with just, later, Jana. <laughs> So here they're about to come under attack and they're having trouble getting the high torque pack to work. And Dunyan's like, what's Bellary doing? He's like, wishing I could just go out. Why did you put this on my G self? (laughs) I love how he's just like, I'm crying here. Why am I even here? You know, they have a Jahannam on board that hasn't blown up for no good reason yet. Do they or did they get that get taken away with the supplies? Oh, that's a good point. I don't know. Uh, anyway, cut to the Capitol Army where Jugen very cartoonishly yells at their new Wuxia squad to make sure they don't kill Belri. Or Raya. Also, Kate Siths, you help too. And Becker's like, we'll show them how nimble the Wuxia's fingers are. Is that why the cheerleaders are into them? Hey. Maybe. Um, I was going to say, and then the Wuxia uh, goes into a sweet guitar solo. Then we get a recruitment poster look. <laughs> that, that's what it looks like. And it makes the cheerleaders very horny apparently and they spontaneously cheer which jugan is irritated by it's like women who needs them not me a man i would say most of the assembled aristocrats are very off put by the cheerleaders they actually look more confused than anything else like why are they they here here? (laughs) i think it's thematically resonant but i'll talk about that in 26 ish episodes (laughs) i think this is also the last we see of the cheerleaders for 26 ish episodes so (laughs) The whooshes take off to go be a part of an action scene. The whooshes go whoosh. And we get an eye catch. You know what else requires nimble fingers? Typing a script for these mid-spots, which I don't do, which is, I think, pretty obvious to anyone who's ever listened to one. Hello, and thank you for listening to episode 10 of our recap of Gundam Reckon Gisa in G. It's a rainy Monday morning here in Colorado, and they got me thinking about coffee, which inevitably gets me thinking about Andrew Waldfeld, and specifically that one dumb Folgers commercial I post in the Discord, like, once a year about. 
But that got me thinking about Gundam Seed, which got me thinking about Gundam Double O, and that got me thinking about our Patreon. Look at that very smooth segue. It was not a bumpy surface at all. Uh, where we just posted some double O rankings, and by that I mean I'm stealing Jeremy's joke and it's double O seven and not double O Gundam, where we rank all the James Bond movies based on how good the title is, how good the movie actually is, and how good the opening theme song is. Also, Alex provided tasting notes. Whatever that means. It was quite entertaining to record, and I hope you all like it, but you can get that as bonus content for $5 a month over on our patreon.com slash last podcast. Otherwise, hey, if you're new here, please go check out our Discord. It's linked on our website, www.lastpodcast.com. There's a contact us section. There's a link there that you can click to join our Discord. Mostly we talk about 40k and anime and stuff. Occasionally we'll stream our game nights. If that sounds like your jam, please head on over. You don't have to be a patron or anything to join. It's just a cool place for cool nerds who like Gundam and also a bunch of other nerd stuff. Okay, I've rambled way too long already. I will see you back in the episode. We rolled poorly on our 1d3 <laughs> minus one eye catches here. It's consistently inconsistent, the number of <laughs> eye catches we get. It makes me so happy we made that joke. They catch up to the megaphone and people are confused as to why are there wrecked snows on board the pirate ship? And Ida jumps off to join the fight, upsetting Danielle. To a comical degree as he yells about that darned tomboy. This entire episode feels very cartoony to me. Largely, it's the facial expressions. Well, it feels very Saturday morning cartoon, especially with the way they handle Ida in this one. Is Jogan Cobra Commander in this? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that would be uh, Rosita. Rosita has too much expect respect for himself to be Cobra Commander. If he's Cobra Commander, who's Destro? Was Delans and Destro, and that's why he had to die? I mean, it's probably time frame as to why this is, but every time Jugen's name shows up, I keep translating it in my head to Jagan. Yeah, like I said, I, that that's the way I learned his name. It's like, oh, obviously his great-great-great-great-great-grandpa was a great Jagan pilot, and the family name got corrupted through the ages. Oh, that wasn't even it. It was because of the fire emblem Jagan. Oh. Anyway, Becker's like, the bridge? Wait, oh. the G-Self? No, it's just the arcane. Um, and then they proceed to double-team the arcane and uh, take it out extremely easily. There's some cool swamp fighting. Yeah, it, like, the animation is rad. Uh, but Ida gets the shit pretty literally kicked out of her. I mean, it's almost as if with the mobile suit that has a big-ass long-range rail rifle, standing in a forest is a bad idea. They have offered her other guns, too. <laughs> there are other guns the arcane can be using. So Becker's like, I'll go threaten the Megafauna's bridge and demand they release the prisoners. And then he does. By hopping out of the suit and, <laughs> and just hanging <laughs> off the bridge. <laughs> Be like, hey, give me the G-Self, Bell Ray, and Mariah, or we'll blow up the bridge. And the captain is very wisely like, you've spread Minoski particles. How are we supposed to do that? And Becker's like, don't you logic at me. Well, he'll stop, stop, try stopping them by force. <laughs> and then so the Jahadim comes up and th points a gun in his face. He's like, I'm having a conversation here. <laughs> and Jahanam like, starts backing up like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't, I didn't realize you were having a conversation. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> and then Jahanam gets kicked literally off its fry scop. I think that is the other, that is a big reason why this one feels very cartoonish. Because in most other ones, a dude doing the whole, like, I'm going to hang off the front of the bridge. That guy gets vaporized. Yeah, I feel like Becker is the most comedic villain. But, like, he feels more earnest than Jugen, so... 
an executive officer's like, but why do they want Roraya? Because apparently no one on the ship know. Like, don't they already know that she came from space? I mean, Clem Nick thinks she came from Tewasanga. That was a theory on his part. And he apparently never told Danielle. And Danielle's like, I don't know why they want her, but we should be concerned about it because they do. Runa Naredo is trying to prevent Roraya from jumping out and watching. Well, she's like, beam rifle combat. And then the pirate, <laughs> who also looks like Ernie from, I'm just realizing, from Sesame Street. That's been there the whole time, but I'm just seeing it for the first time <laughs> he now. He pops in and has the line, for the girl, I'm sorry. normal suit. Here I said Ernie, I did mean Bert. Yeah, it just, here you go, space suit. So Bert the pirate shows up, yeah, with like a pirate suit for Roraya in case they go to space unexpectedly. Or suffer a uh, hull breach that results in atmosphere loss in the... I guess Mariah atmosphere. doesn't need to lose any more air. That's true. Cut the curbs being very helpful. Or at least not g- getting blown up immediately. He's drawing He's doing better fire. than Ida. True. Who f- flies up to confront Becker. Unfortunately, it goes poorly for her. As Becker just casually points his gun at the bridge. And when Ida's about to shoot him, she gets kicked from behind by a guy who doesn't even have a name. <laughs> Over the megafauna. Get, losing one of her wings. And Valerie sees her foot. And is like, hey, um, if I can't use the backpack, it's worthless, so will you let me out already? And Hoppo's like, yeah, you know, if you can't protect the megafauna, I'll die too. And Valerie's like, yes, that is my point. Please take the damn backpack off so I can go out and help. And Hoppo's like, what's the matter? Are you in love with her? And Valerie's like, that's not relevant right now. <laughs> Fix the damn mobile suit. Anyway, Becker puts the arcane in a headlock and rips off one of its flight fins. Which is also where all its cameras are, apparently, because we see them all go down. And uh, Bellary shown in energy and rage seeing this is enough to make the G-Self's output go up enough to make the high torque pack work. I just found out uh, Bert's name. It's very disappointing we should just call him Bert. It's Jamadelia. (laughs) Okay. So Jamalama, got it. So Hop is like, don't get yourself killed, Bellary. And Bellary's like, I'm in love. I'm not going to die. I thought that wasn't what this was about. No, that wasn't what that was about. It, love does still give me Shonen energy. Anyway, Shonen energy. <laughs> and the uh, G-Self just absolutely wrecks the deck of the megafauna as it takes off. Too much power. And, and then it starts Bellary sliding along like the ground because <laughs> it's plants. too heavy. Ida tries to escape with judo. Unfortunately, Becker is a wrestling champion. <laughs> suplexes the arcade. Who's like, this isn't a mud pit, boy. It's an operating table, and I'm the surgeon. He is apparently in love with the wuxia. And that gives him shonen energy. <laughs> well, look, everybody seems to be the cheerleaders, Becker. <laughs> They're just a bunch of wuxia sexuals up in the capital army. <laughs> so the high torque pack lets Bellary fly at mock speeds past the sloth. <laughs> I love all the animations with the high torque pack. It's like such a dumb design, but like it looks so rad as it's moving around so unwieldy. I hate it. <laughs> I, I'm kind of in the middle. I wish it did more. I could learn to love it, but it kind of doesn't do anything. I think we're supposed to get the impression that it allows him to like swing his beam sabers really hard because he cuts off, like he disarms a couple of cat siths on the way. Oh, uh, cat sith and a whooshin. What it does, primarily, is it lets him use it as a ballistic missile later. It's that's which is also very all funny. It, does. it also lets him jump good. He jumps so good, he takes out two flying mobile suits. Ah, yes. The mobile suit pack that lets him jump good, as opposed to the mobile suit pack that lets him fly. Yeah, that's why no one prepares to spell jump. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he finds uh, Becker holding Ida hostage. I mean, I 
it is a because of the human thing, but like Ida, you don't have to have the arms wrapped around the other guy's forearm. Your mobile suit can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it why does not need Zach, to breathe. That's, that, that's why she's got to free it because she can't breathe. So as Zach suggested earlier, Bellary just walks out of the high torque pack because by backpack we need a full suit of armor, right? It's like an exoskeleton <laughs> for a mobile suit. And then he launches it like a missile. Presumably as a decoy, because it comes in and it shocks Becker into shooting at it. But right as he takes some shots, Bellary pops out of the underbrush and knocks the beam rifle away. We also see the Wuxia has Gatling gun arms that he also gets out of the way. And then he does a Bellary punch! Oh, I was gonna say- hey, And Bellary gets some distance on this punch. I was gonna say he used a build knuckle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then he teleports behind him- Dragon Ball Z style. him. <laughs> Uh, you see, really, what the the purpose of the high torque pack is? It's waiting trade weighted training clothing. So now that the G self has removed it, we can see he's Dragon Ball Z fast, which causes Becker to sink into a swamp, face first. And Knight is like, "Wow, did you come up with that idea on your own?" And Bellary's like, "Yeah, that pack was useless. I had to figure out something <laughs> to do with it." And oh no, it's the Capital Army. And Bellary waves at them to leave, and they're just like, "Okay, yeah, I guess so." <laughs> I beat up all your good guys. Cut to Becker, who, according to the Gundam Wiki, dies in this episode. But as we can see, he's fine and will appear in future episodes. <laughs> Wait, the really? Gundam ep- the Gundam Wiki says he <laughs> dies here. Yes, you you can see he is menaced by crocodiles, Captain Hook style, but he does not die. So we find out that the sensors in the legs are very sensitive, as the Arcane is riding on the back of the G self in the high torque pack. And I feel like they're trying to treat this like it's intimate. Which it doesn't seem like at all to me. <laughs> and anyway, <laughs> I love this. Bellary goes frog hopping back towards the megafauna using the giant ass thrusters on the back of the torque pack. Also, they talk about how even the Capital Guard doesn't like the Capital Army since they're joining up with the megafauna. And so Bellary's like, yeah, my mom will forgive me for going back and being a pirate. Every teenager has their pirate face, right? <laughs> And happens like the G Self and GR Kane have returned as we still see that the GR Kane has to jump. Even farther. Uh, but anyway, it eventually lands on the front deck. Much to Steer's chagrin. Yeah, way harder this time. It causes a grimoire <laughs> on the front of the deck to bounce a little bit. And one guy is mad. Louis. Apparently. He's is the, guy he with the one the with the name from earlier? <laughs> yes. And uh, apparently Rai is coming out on the deck and doing something. To Which, snuggle the G-Self. Hugging the G-Self's foot. And Red is like, okay, fine. God. Anyway, Ida is posing sexy on the G-Self. <laughs> For the sexy megafauna calendar they're making for next year. <laughs> I just imagined an executive officer unbundling his yep. shirts. Like. Yep. And Ida's like, man, thanks to this backpack, I lived a little longer. But is it really okay for mobile suits to exist? That seems like something a Gundam character should be asking. I mean, it is, but not really why you are asking. Cut to Space Pope. No, this is uh, Bellary's mom and, and uh, Ida's dad handing him off to a guy to presumably fly him down. And they're like, hey, so about the news of your that your government broadcast. And he's like, my government made a broadcast? Uh-oh. And that, he's like, the president is launching our space fleet? I have to hurry, since I told them I would stop him from doing that. And we get some great shots of Gundam gravity here. As and Kumpa Reseda is here, too. And he's like, yes, I just made it onto the last luggage car. And Bellis mom was like, what do you want? He's like, I am the one who got the Grandin from Gondwan. I just wanted to see it in action. It's my responsibility to oversee it. Our cool spaceship. So uh, Bellary's mom's like, oh, I suppose that's taxing. 
the tension between them is actually pretty palpable there, and I like it. And anyway, she's like, she talks to the Pope, and the Pope's like, I'm old, I gotta take a nap, and then he does. Cut to Colonel Compost encountering Mask and Barara in a secret chamber <laughs> on the nut. It's very Star Wars. And we find out that they have smuggled some secret space mobile suits on the bottom of the crown. And uh, the megafauna is back in space. They're currently doing repairs. Boy, would it be a rough time to find out that their hull is no longer uh, airtight. Right. <laughs> then we cut to Earth, where the Grandin is taking off into space. It looks very Star Destroyer. Yes. It also has, like, some anti-gravity hover things to help get it out of the water that we haven't seen before. And, like, we will enter orbit, and then, once we rendezvous with Mask, we will start working to prevent the Amerian army's attack. Presumably by killing them. Why did Mask go separately from you? Uh, he had to meet with the colonel in the secret room. Ah, I see, I see. That's where you get the mask plus one? No, that's, uh... Ah! <laughs> Jugen well, was... isn't Barara a bu- some sort of equipable buff? Uh, isn't that why she's there? I think she's just a support boost. She and Manny are fighting for that S rank. Ah, I gotcha. Um, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was actually gonna say, uh, uh, Rosita did actually order Mask to take a break last episode, so it's possible he was just handing around the capital taking a break. He has gotten the shit kicked out of him repeatedly, <laughs> so... That's true. So yeah, very cartoony, like you guys said, very monster of the week, and the Wuxia isn't even that monster of the week, it's just kind of a mobile suit. This one, more than most, felt to me like an episode dedicated to the buy all of our playsets and toys with that high torque pack. Except for most of the episode is the high torque pack not being able to do anything. Except for the fact that as soon as it goes out, it immediately solves the problem. Yeah, although it immediately gets discarded and then solves the problem. I feel like it's an ineffective advertisement. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that I don't think it's particularly good at what it's doing. Yeah, I didn't say it was a good advertisement for it. I just said it felt like it was an advertisement for it, and that was the purpose of the episode more than uh, more than other. I thought it was a better ad for the Wuxia because it had that like poster shot of it before they all took off. I actually quite like the Wuxia in a lot of ways, but we will probably talk about that pretty soon. Did you have a high point, Tyler? Oh boy, not really. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's Belry's diversion maneuver. Um, It was pretty clever, and it's kind of fun, and it results in Becker being in a swamp. Yeah, that makes sense. Zach? I think mine has to be when Mariah is running around in the hangar and Curbs just grabs her and picks her up. That It's just so smooth, and it's like, wow, Curbs is remarkably competent at everything he does. Yoink, I'm taking this wave. Is it cheating for me to do, say, the Dragon Ball Z BS that <laughs> Bellary does when you did the torque pack launching? Is that the same thing? Uh, they're part of the same scene, but no, that's not really what I... I, I was specifically going for Bellary's cool plan. I'll run her up to the cheerleaders. Do you have a low point, Tyler? I don't know. Jugen going full Saturday morning breakfast cartoon villain, but like his face just distorts like a snake unhinging <laughs> its jaw several times. It's wild. I don't understand why they decided to go that direction this and presumably only this time in this show. Zach? The high torque pack. What don't you like about it? It's mainly such a, it's well, such a cool In this particular backpack. case, it's the situation <laughs> where it's like, dude, it's not working. Take it off. We're in mortal danger. Yeah, I know. If we can't protect the megafauna, we'll, I'll die too. Great. So we're in agreement. Take it off and give me something I can use. Or use literally any other suit that hasn't sortied. Like, there are so many options. Well, we don't actually, like, because they don't show us any of the other options because the Gehenna had already launched. Kick out Lewin. Else. He wasn't doing anything. Is it Lewin? Luan? Yeah. Okay. So we have Luan, 
and Lewin. Yes. Okay. Well, D- Tyler, Lewin's gone. Now we have Mask. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, who who was I even talking about? Lewin was a side character they forgot to write into the show. <laughs> he evolved into Luan. That's probably mine because it feels like it's specifically there to just keep Bellry out of the action for long enough that Ida can get herself into trouble because her competency has fallen off. Yeah, I'm going to go with I- how easily Ida is bested. Like, she doesn't feel like she got tricked or outmaneuvered. She just, like, lollies her way into a grapple. She did get outmaneuvered earlier, where she got, like, blindsided by a guy rushing out of the bushes, and then the other person, like, double-teamed her. You know, it, it wouldn't um, be that bad of a thing if it was someone that we'd been shown that was fairly competent. Like, if Bellinson had beaten her, it would feel fine, because we've been shown that he's pretty good at this. Becker is just, like, the car- Saturday morning cartoon villain, and I can't take him seriously. So when she loses, it doesn't feel like, oh, Becker did something cool. It feels like the writer doesn't like Ida. Becker He's, is muttly. He is literally menaced by crocodiles as his comeuppance. <laughs> Do you have an MVP, Tyler? It's going to be Curbs, actually, uh, for that good Raraya catch early game. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Zach? I think it's going to be Curbs as well because he does have the <laughs> awesome Raraya catch. But he's also got kind of the running the show, and he seems to be the most competent adult-esque character we've seen so far. I feel like Bellary's mom is highly competent, just not at battle and war. But well, yes. I, he also seems to be the most forward-thinking of every other adult we've seen so far, which is weird. I'm not sure how adult he's supposed to be either. Like, how much older is he than Bellary? Because he has the bit of like, hey, I'm not your instructor anymore. That's very big brother. Like, that's very like, hey, dude, I'm 20. I know you're 18, but I'm 20. I'm not that old, really. <laughs> no, um, I, I know. It's just he feels, because he is the instructor, he yeah. feels like he's I mean, he's obviously older than Bellary in them. I don't know how old he is either, so I'm saying I'm wondering, because he definitely comes off as younger than Delinson, right? Oh, yeah, I think he was younger than Delinson. I doubt the Gundam Wiki has information on this, but... It has so little information on Rico and Gista NG, and to my horror, it's mostly because there is no information on Rico and Gista NG for us to have. <laughs> I don't want to give it to Curbs. I don't really want to give it to Becker, but I don't know who else I would give it to, so I Bellary, guess... question mark? I, I guess I'm giving it to Becker for threatening a bridge and jumping out of his mobile suit and be like, hey, we're having a conversation here. Oh, man. Do we want to add the Wusha to our mobile suit list? It will show up a few more times, but it doesn't do much. I'm fine with that. I am literally going to have to look up a picture of it because I can't, like, I didn't see enough of it this episode to even keep it in my head. It's uh, okay. Like, I it, think I'm personally partial to the Montero versus it. There's nothing that's really stand out about it. It's, you know, basically a pretty standard mobile suit frame, but there are a lot of things I actually like about it. The, like, weird backpack units are actually very, very tall geese, and I like yeah, that about tr- it. That's fair. And the way it's animated, like, it does look like it has that maneuverability. And I like the random, uh, like, machine guns in the forearms and the way they, like, wrestle and they feel more maneuverable. There's they lot- have agile fingers. Yeah, there's a lot of like about them. I actually think I like them more than the Montero, if that's where we're starting. Since um, I think I do, too, actually, if only for the color differentiation. That's fair. I might be falling into the problem of the Montero. We've seen it do a bit more, and it had a better pilot. So it would mean I'm breaking the uh, how to compare mobile suits rule. It does also have javelins, and I'm always a sucker for javelins. I like it more than the Wyndham as well, which I think it's very comparable to. It's not very high above it for me, but I agree. I'm not sure, but I'm also outvoted, so... Like, probably not as good as the Armor Zagan. No, I don't think so. About the same for me. But 
Okay, if about the same, how do we think it compares to the amazing Zagok? It's definitely a lot more uh, live and maneuverable. I think I actually might prefer the Wuxia to the uh, amazing Zagok, but I'm also not a huge fan of the Zagok to begin with. I like the Zagok fairly well, but uh, oh no, the stupid claw arms um, just do it for me. Um, I think I might actually have to give it to the Wuxia. I think I agree, too, which I wasn't expecting when I said it, but it, it's an unanimous. So at number Nintendo 64 goes the Wuxia above the Amazing Zagok and below the Armor Zagan. Pretty respectable showing. Is that our highest? Depends on how we classify the Grimoire Red Beret, I think. Also, the Armor Zagan is from. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. True. Right. Already <laughs> forgot. No, Red Beret is a Build Divers mobile suit, which despite Build Divers being a garbage show, did have really good mobile suit designs. It's just based off, obviously it's based off the Grimoire from this series. Yeah, well, we'll rank the Grimoire eventually. When, it, when <laughs> If there's ever an episode where we have nothing to rank, which seems unlikely, <laughs> we'll rank the Grimoire and we'll Are see. Are we going to need to rank the different packs for the... We'll have to talk about that, right? Because the high torque pack seems almost different enough to rank, right? Meanwhile, the tricky pack... Sure was the sure thing. <laughs> it's so bad. And I don't want to be inconsistent, but there are definitely some of them that feel worth ranking and some that don't. Like the space and the flight packs seem... Those feel both just like Ailstrike to me. Yeah, yeah. They, they seem like a standard part of the mobile suit, basically. But the high torque pack is like a full exoskeleton that I almost think is worth ranking. And there's another one that definitely changes it enough that I feel like that one's worth ranking. So I think when we rank the G-Self, we'll have to make that uh, distinction, and it might be a very long ranking section, depending <laughs> on what we decide. All right, that's fair. I was going to say, does pink G-Self get its own category? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just part of the tricky pack. Oh, that's fair. Well, uh, top tier, then. That's why it's so tricky. Uh, pink is a tricky color. Well, it's because they're like, that can't possibly be the G-Self. It's pink, not blue and red. Is there anything else we want to say about this episode? Like I said, I feel like we're in the dregs of G-Reco. This um, one is not... I, I don't like this episode. It's got too much of the Saturday morning cartoon thing going on here, which, you know, you kind of need some of that sometimes, but at the same time, like, no? This was... For me, it was like a nothing burger of an episode. I actively liked last ep- the last few episodes, um, and this one just like well, last, feels very skippable. The last few episodes felt like they were leading up to something, and, and if happened. they were leading up to this episode, it's just like, okay, 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 <laughs> how did I fall in this pit? Oh, there are alligators in here. Oh, no. <laughs> Save me without getting closer. <laughs> All right, then. We will be back next week for episode 11 of Rikyung Gisa NG. Charge in the space war. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a title. The podcast is in your ears.